0: Once there was an old dog who got to take the trip of a lifetime as his master went on safari. And one morning after breakfast, the old dog uh, wandered away from his owner's campsite, seeing all the new sights and smelling all the new smells and then suddenly he realized he was lost, not just lost, hopelessly lost. And as he looked around for clues on which way to travel to get back to his master, he noticed something he had missed. There was a jaguar stalking him, inching closer and closer. He knew he couldn't outrun the big cat, and he couldn't fight him off. So as he looked around wondering what to do, he he saw some bones there on the jungle floor, and he he picked up one of them in his mouth and started chewing on it, and he exclaimed, Mmm! That jaguar is the best tasting thing I have ever eaten. I wonder if there are any more jaguars around here I might eat. And it worked. The cat heard the dog say that and ran away thinking, I'm so glad I dodged that bullet. That that terrifying creature was about to eat me. Well, unfortunately for the dog, a monkey high in a tree saw that whole thing play out. And the monkey pursued after the jaguar and got down and told the jaguar how he had been deceived by the dog. So the two of them turned around and headed back in the direction of the dog. And the dog, this time more alert, he could see them coming and he didn't really know what to do. And so he just started looking around and he exclaimed, now, where is that monkey? I sent him out after another Jaguar 20 minutes ago, and he hasn't been back since. Well, This morning, we are for the second time going to open the book of James together. And James is going to instruct us about wisdom. But I want you to know that that, that joke, not only was it not terribly funny, it also was not an example of what we're going to talk about this morning, as we talk about wisdom. Biblical wisdom is not the craftiness that is required to get us out of jams. It's not um, the 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 ability to avoid life's pitfalls in creative ways. That's not wisdom. When James writes about wisdom, whatever it means, it happens during the jam. During the trial when life is painful. As we study our way through books of the Bible, which is our habit here. I tend to take as my habit I take pretty small snippets of scripture and that's neither good nor bad. It's just sort of my habit. It seems to work for us. But there is a weakness in doing that. And the weakness is it becomes easier to sort of miss the forest for the tree, if you know what I mean. This is a great example of how that can happen. We're going to read a passage. It's obviously about wisdom, and it is never going to have the word trial, temptation, pain, suffering. We're not going to read any of those words this morning. So it is important that we understand this passage in its context, which means we have to keep in mind verses 2 through 4 that we read last week and what we're going to study over the next couple of weeks. Because where James is talking about trials, pain, temptation, suffering, The book of James, the whole thing, the whole forest is about growing in this faith of ours, maturing in Christ. It's about that process that's called sanctification in churchy language, whereby my condition, my behavior, my attitudes, my words, my responses are growing to be more in line with the position I have in Christ, the righteousness I have uh, before God legally, where I'm perfect in the eyes of God because of the grace He has given me through faith. I want to become more and more like Jesus. That's what this book is about. It's time to grow up in this faith of ours. The first topic, though, that James wanted to cover about growing in our faith is a really hard one. He said, When it's time to suffer, when it's your time to go through a trial, you need to put that trial somehow in the joy column, not just in the tragedy column. And it's not that you should feel happy that you're suffering, that's impossible. It's just that we should understand that God can use our trials and our suffering to grow us, which is something that we should want. So that somehow if we, if we go through trials well, God can use that experience to make us more like Jesus, which should be a desire of our heart. Now, is that hard or easy? Easy. Is it hard to suffer, but yet count some joy to trust? Hey, God knows what he's doing. If I walk with him, he is going to make it to where someday in this world or in the next, I can look back on this and and be happy that happened. Is it easy or hard to have that mindset? It's hard. Guess what we're going to need if we're going to do that well? we're going to need wisdom. That's why James writes what he writes today. To face trials well, we will need wisdom. That's the main idea of these four verses we're going to read today. We should want the endurance that can come with trials. We should want the closeness to God that can come with trials. We should be able to just believe there's going to be some good for me eventually in this trial. But to to have any of that stuff, we are going to need wisdom. So let's read our passage about that, verses 5 through 8 of James chapter 1. I'm going to pause for one second just to ask back there. Are my lights wrong on the camera back there, guys? Um, uh, Or we're good? Okay, thank you. The rest of you can ignore what just happened right there. All right, let's read our passage. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it, wisdom, will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That's our passage this morning. Very obviously, it's about wisdom, right? Keeping in mind the context, it's about wisdom in trials. But before, and I want to go through those verses with you, but before we do, if we're supposed to ask for wisdom and expect to receive it, we better be on the same page of what we're talking about. What will we be asking for if we ask God for wisdom? What is wisdom? It's where I want to start this morning. I looked up just a couple of definitions, a secular one and a biblical one, and you'll notice they are very similar. We should agree with non-Christians on the definition of what wisdom is, at least that far. The American Heritage Dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer defines wisdom this way. He says, wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and the highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Those are very good definitions. Do you see how similar they are? So wisdom, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is, is the ability to know what is best and the ability to see how to pursue what's best. Now as Christians, we believe that the best, what is best, is defined for us by God and is revealed to us in His word. So for the Christian, there's no such thing as pursuing what is best, but at the same time not pursuing what God says is best. Does that make sense? The book of Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So where the Christian and the non-Christian differs is not on the definition of wisdom, but what the definition of best is is. What the definition, dish, definition of things like, what is the highest goal? What is the best? What is what's true? What is what's right? What is what will ultimately last? That's where we differ from the rest of the world. And it's in here. So that's wisdom. That's what wisdom is. Now let's go into our our passage. The first thing James is going to tell us about in verse 5 is when to ask for wisdom and how God gives the wisdom we ask for. James says we should ask when we lack wisdom. And again, this is why it's so important to understand the context this is given in not just any old time. This is in the context of trials and or temptations. Because in the Greek, there's one word that can mean either trial or temptation. More on that concept in a couple of weeks. But when we are in the midst of a trial, when life is painful... When we are in a season or a moment of especially a, a intense temptation, isn't it true that during those times, that's when it becomes the most difficult to tell what's best, what's really going to last, what is true, what is right? that's when we start to question what's best in this situation. See, you might know right now, sitting in here on a Sunday morning, you know God has said it is best that sex be reserved for after marriage between one man and one woman. And any of it, real or imagined, Outside of that is not what's best. So pursuing that would be unwise. It's easy to believe that right now. But might someone find himself or herself in a situation where all of a sudden, it feels like that might not be best? Of course. I might know in here on Sunday morning, That God said it's best for me to be honest. And God's standards for honesty are, are, are very high. And I know that's true in here right now. But two weeks from next Thursday, might you be in a situation where it feels like in this situation, being dishonest might actually be better than being honest. I know you know in here on Sunday morning what God says about integrity, what God says about financial faithfulness, integrity in my business, in my finances, what God says about generosity and giving. But might you be in a situation where all of a sudden it might become apparent that I could make more money, have more money, or keep more money If I do something, I would never tell someone to do in here on Sunday morning. Of course. Of course. The reason James writes what he writes when he writes it is because this is the time, the trial, the temptation is the time where all of a sudden what we always thought was best and right suddenly may not seem best and right. Because pain and pressure makes us self-focus and self-protect in ways where we, we suddenly have a change in priorities. And this, some of that's not even bad. It's just the way we're built. For example, what I'm doing right now, I already did this study, right? Right? I was in my office. I enjoyed studying this passage. I learned a lot. So right now, I'm not really doing this for me. I want to share with you what I learned because it's going to be best for you. Right? I I want you to glean from this, to grow from this. I want God to be glorified in you. So I'm trying my best to be very others focused as we do this. But if on my way up these stairs, if I had tripped and fallen, and snapped my leg, all of a sudden I would be much less concerned about what you're getting out of this service right now. Do you believe that? Because the pain would change my priority, and I would be focused much more on me than you, right? Now that makes sense, and it's not even wrong. You wouldn't want me to stand up here with my leg at a right angle or something. You want to look at that? Listen, emotional pain. The pressure that comes from temptation. It does something similar to us where I, where I focus on me and my wants and my needs. What I'm not getting. What I feel like would be better to the point where suddenly my pr- I'm not thinking about what is best for someone else or what glorifies God. It's the way pain works and we have to realize this. Trial, temptation, temptation pain makes us unwise. It's hard to be wise during those times. Look at something Jesus said one time. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this, but I say to you who bother to listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who, Who mistreat you? Hard or easy? You know why? Because it hurts. And when the pain starts, you're not thinking about what is good for the person who's caused you pain. This is why James says, if anyone is deficient in wisdom, That's when he or she should should ask God for wisdom. This isn't James out of nowhere saying, you know what? Some of you just aren't all that bright. You should probably ask God to smarten you up a little bit. No. This is James in the middle of teaching something that's super hard when the pain starts, when you're being tempted. That's when. You're going to tend to be unwise, so you'd better ask God for some wisdom. And this is universal. This is for all of us. Trials and temptations are when we lack wisdom. So go ask. Now, when we go ask for wisdom, will God give it? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should go ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So if during your trial, if you ask God for wisdom, will he give it to you? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. All right, now, do you really believe that? Yeah. So you're telling me, when that person does something that hurts you, so bad, when you find yourself in an impossibly difficult situation you believe if you go to God and ask Him, well what should I do now He is going to tell you what to do I'll tell you the answer to that is yes and no God will give wisdom more on that in a minute but understand a lot of the time when we go to God when the when the when the trial starts when the pain is real when the suffering has been turned on and we go to God and ask what we ask for and we call wisdom sometimes is not wisdom it's something else sometimes it's just information there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge and very often when I go to God and ask for something and he doesn't tell me I shouldn't say, "Hey, this verse doesn't work." I should just understand I'm asking for something besides whatever wisdom is and it works like this. The trial starts, the temptation is going, and and I go to God and I I ask, "Why is this happening?" Anybody ever asked that one? So that's, that's information. It's not wisdom. Or what I want to know is, what is the thing I can do next which will make this situation feel better? That's also not wisdom. Because wisdom happens while the situation's terrible. Right? I'm counting the... Last week we talked about what I'm supposed to get out of the trial, not how do I get out of the trial. Or we want to know what will will work. We want to know how will this other person respond if I do what you say wisdom is. Right? Like I'm willing to do what you say is best, God, as long as I'm assured that person will respond the way I want to the load will be lightened, right? Because I want it to work, giant air quotes. I want it to work in a way I want it to work. So you tell me what to do so that this will work out the way I want it to. None of that's wisdom. I'm not saying it's not a bad thing to ask, but it's just, it's not wisdom. Wisdom is what God says is best, is true, and will truly last. Which is always just clinging to Him through whatever is going on in my life. If we go to God looking for true wisdom in our moment of trial or temptation, will He give us wisdom? Yes. How will He give us wisdom? Generously and Without finding fault, this translation says. Or, you know, without reproach or reprimand. That means when the pain starts, when the temptation is, is, is heavy and you climb up on his lap and you say, oh, Father, I'm struggling with wisdom here with what really is best. He is never going to respond this way. What are you, stupid? I expected more of you. You should be above this by now. No, God is well acquainted with our weakness. He knows. He'll never respond like that. But that's not what keeps us from going to ask. I think the biggest reason why when the trial is heavy, when the temptation is real, the biggest reason we don't ask, go and ask for God's wisdom during that time is most often we really don't want to hear it. It's not what our flesh wants. Somewhere in our hearts, we know if I go ask God for real wisdom, that's what He's going to give me and I don't want to hear it. I want to try to find a loophole I want, to, I want to try to search this book for something that sounds like it might apply in my situation that I can apply where I can actually just pursue what I want and pretend it's God's wisdom. When we are wavering in what is true, in what is best, in what will really last, in what is right... That's when we lack wisdom. And that's when we need more than any other time to climb right up on daddy's lap and say, I am wavering here. I know you say this, what I am considering, what I am feeling, this is not best. I know it. Will you please remind me why what you say is best is actually best? Even in this situation, even though I'm going to feel very vulnerable if I do good to the one who hurts me. If, I, if I'm kind to my persecutor, if I'm forgiving, if I reject, Lord, if I don't give in to this situation, now that person will leave me. These people will reject me. I don't want to walk through that. This is going to cause... If I do what you say is right and best... This is going to lead to more pain, not less. Can you remind my heart and my soul why it's best, even if that's true, even if it does cause more pain? Will you remind me that you can protect me better than my own craftiness and decision-making can? That's when we lack wisdom. That's when we should ask. And that is how God gives. It's also a lot of the reason why we come here weekly. And it's why we go here daily. Because this is, this is where the information comes that we use for wisdom. It's not that God likes those of us better who do a daily quiet time then he likes those of us who don't do a daily quiet time. That's not why we do that. We're just trying to keep reminding ourselves what he says is best. Cuz it's best. So that's what wisdom is. That's when we should ask. That's how God gives. Now, how do we ask? How do we ask God for wisdom? In verses 6 through 8, James tells us like the manner in which we must ask in order to receive this wisdom. We must ask, James says, verse 6, in faith without doubting. We have to ask in faith without doubting. Now, what's that mean? This, can, this is another one of those places in the Bible that it sounds like it means something it doesn't mean. Here's what I think this sounds like. This sounds like, oh, when I'm really struggling with something, when the pain has started, this means if I go ask God for what I want to know and I don't doubt that he will tell me, then he'll tell me. And so I ask and I try really hard not to doubt that he will tell me. And then as soon as one little doubt creeps in and I don't think God will tell me, then ah, oh, I've messed the whole thing up and now he's not going to tell me. It's not the way this works. It's not what this says. That line of thinking reminds me of when I was a little kid and had a loose tooth. And I want some of you to tell me if this is more widespread or if I just had a really ornery grandpa, which I did. I had two of them. But there's one. When I had a really loose tooth, here's what he would tell me. He would say, you know, when that tooth comes out, if you never stick your tongue in the, in the hole where the tooth came out, it will grow in as solid gold. The new one will be a gold tooth. Right? And I thought it'd be pretty awesome to have a gold tooth. And so I remember one time I tried this. How long do you think I held out? I made about 32 seconds, I think was my was my record, because you can't help it, right? And then so, you know, your, your tongue goes in there, you, you explore that, and then, well, they all came in white. You know, how boring, just like everybody else. That's that's not what James is doing. Oh, if you never doubt that God will tell you what you want to know, then he will. Oh, but as soon as you doubt, you've messed it up. No, no, no. Because remember, wisdom is what we're asking for, not knowledge. Wisdom through the trial, not the, not the fastest off-ramp out of it. The doubt that James is talking about is, is not mainly, it's not doubt as to whether or not God will Tell me what I want to know. The doubt here, the doubt here that you don't want to have is whether or not what God says is best and true and good and right is still best and true and good and right in your situation, in what you are going through. as soon as I begin to doubt that what God said is best is still best, even though, man, it's going to hurt if I do that. As soon as I start to, well, I know what the Bible says, but as soon as I start, you know, God's direction, he, what he said is true north. In this situation, I think I better deviate from true north just a little bit. And I really think in the end it will work out better. That's the doubt. As soon as we ask God for wisdom with that kind of doubt, that's when I'm going to be like a wave tossed in the sea, blown and tossed around by the wind. That's when I should not expect I would receive what is good from the Lord because I've become a double-minded person that's unstable in all my ways. Once I begin to doubt that what Daddy says is best is actually best, I will turn my decision-making over to a, an innumerable number, innumerable number of things that are not stable. It's like I have a choice to make. I can turn over my decision-making to what God says is best, or I can find something that I think is better. And once I get there, I may depend upon the way I feel. What I think will, will have the, less, the least amount of pain involved on a decision-by-decision decision basis. Well, I will be all over the place in that. Because there'll be a moment where, I you know, I feel like right now, I will have a lot less pain if I do this. It's not what God says, right? So but it's just a small step Right, And then maybe a different time, there's another little small step. It's not what God would say is best in most situations, but right now, given everything that I know, this is going to probably work out best. And then before long, when that starts to crash and burn, or someone finds out, or I get discovered, or whatever happens, well, then I have to run back over here. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now I want what you say is best. Please help me fix all the stuff that I just fell into. Right and until that feels... that feels more stable. But then I'll slowly start to feel like, again, in some other situation, there's something better than what God says is best. And I'll be crashing back and forth between because my feelings aren't stable. Or I will turn that sort of decision-making over consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously to another person that works like this. God, I know what you say is best, but if I don't sort of go along with what this person says, if I don't support that, if I don't go along with that, if I don't affirm that, they will take their toys and go home and that will hurt too much. Or this group of people, God, if, if I don't go along with them, I'll, just, I'll be all alone that will hurt too much. But none of that is stable. Crash. I'll find myself up against the rocks, man, over and over and over because I'm double-minded. I know what God says is best is best. I behave like I have to go along with what this other thing says is probably better than what God says is best, and I will crash back and forth between the two. Does that ring any bells with anybody in here at all? And Paul talked about this in Romans 1. He calls that exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And once we make that exchange, Paul says, God turns us over to that stuff. So here where James says, we shouldn't expect when we're double-minded, when we doubt that what God says is best, even in my situation that I'm in right now, We shouldn't expect that God will give us his best when we wouldn't choose it. God, Paul says, will turn us over to that stuff. I've faced this. I still face this. I face this in my own life. Oh, God says, you think that's better than what I say is best. And he pats me on the head and he taps me on the behind and says, hey, good luck out there, big boy. Until guess what? He finds me crashed back up against the rocks. Again. But there's another way. You don't have to live like that. I don't have to live like that. if we can decide ahead of time that God's path of wisdom is going to be how I define wisdom, and I can decide I'm not going to pursue what is outside of of God's, that, that straight and narrow way, that path, that's where my life will find stability and flourishing. Now, will I do that perfectly? No, of course not but at least it won't be because I haven't decided that what he says is best is always best. And I mean decide, commit to it. So when the trial comes, when the temptation comes, and it gets really tempting to think, man, there's, there's a better way to go about this. It'll probably have less pain involved. I can say no. No. What God said is right and what God said is best is what is right, is what is best. That's where I'm going to stand. This may hurt, but in the long run, it, I am going to be better for it. That's when I run to him and say, okay, God, if I have to uh, not go along with this person whom I love so much, if I, if I cannot do that, can you love me? Can I get my needs met by you that I'm trying to get out of that person? Can I let, if I let your standards be my standards and I'm just open and vulnerable and I get rejected and I get whatever, can you be, can you fight for me? Can you sustain me? Will you hold me? the answer will always be yes, yes, yes. Jesus taught this same topic, the same lesson. And you know the story. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, but it did not collapse. Why? Because it had been founded on rock. On the other hand, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. In this parable, I want you to notice something. Wisdom is not what keeps the storm away. Both guys went through the same storm. What made the wise man, the wise man is before the storm ever came, he decided that he was going to build his house on something that would help his house stand when the inevitable storm came. My brothers and sisters, the time to the time to decide I'm going to do what's right and go with God's path of wisdom is not once the storm starts. You know, the guy doesn't start looking for a safe house when the whistles go off. The wise person has already built the safe house. Because the storm is coming. There's nothing wise that God doesn't call wise. Nothing. There's nothing good that God says is not good. Nothing. Which means it's not wise and it's not good for me to affirm, to go along with, and to pursue what God says is not good and unwise. And that's easy to agree with in here. Because it's not very stormy in here. But it's coming. It's coming. If we want single-minded stability, a foundation that will hold, an anchor that will hold, we have to stop seeing life as figuring out how to make it feel as good as I can for me, given what's going on right now. We have to decide, my the only anchor that will hold that I'm going to cling to is what God says is best and right and will last And in the long run, that will feel better. Not always in the short term, but we have to decide who we can trust the one who is truly wise, or anything else. Wisdom is the insight to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. And that always comes by obeying God, clinging to Him, walking with Him, and and refusing to affirm anything else. When the trial starts, when the pressure is on, wisdom is what you need even though your heart and your flesh will be screaming, what you really need is something that God says isn't wise. Wisdom is what you need. So let's decide ahead of time to refuse to believe that you need anything else besides what God says is wise and best and true and will last. What do you say? Let's pray. Our Father, um, we once again study something that is, easy to read about and understand and very difficult to pull off out there in the real world. So God, I just pray that you would for for each of us as individuals, help us to see this morning where wisdom really is why what you say is best what you say is right what you say will last that is the truth help us to build our house build our lives on the rock of what you say is best and then trust that that will be best for us though it may cause pain in the short term pray that you would help us to glorify you. To be others focused. When the storm comes. And thank you that you'll be our refuge and our strength and you'll fight for us. It is you who sustains us, not our craftiness. And thank you that when we climb up on your lap, the next time the pressure comes, you have no reproach for us when we ask for wisdom. Just remind us that what's wise is walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us we'll finish our time together.